everyone, and welcome to episode 168 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. It's Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have a special podcast today. Not only do we have the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. What's up today, Richard? Hey, Seth, what's going on? Uh, not much, but we have a special guest as well. We have Todd Stevens. You probably know him from SCG, making content, playing in opens, also brew crew member, Dapper Dresser. What's going on, Todd? Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to have you. It's really cool to have another perspective. We've been kind of two-manning it for a while now since Chaz went on hiatus, so it'll be fun to have an extra voice in the mix today. So as far as our topics for today, we actually got quite a bit to talk about. We're going to start off with a full wrap-up of Dominaria. We got the whole set a few days ago, came out on Thursday, I think a day early. So kind of overview of Dominaria, the full set. Going to talk a little bit about the modern tournaments that happened this weekend. We had a modern GP, also a Team Unified modern GP, I think. We'll focus mostly on the real modern GP, though. And then want to talk a bit about the BNR announcement. Won't take long, not too exciting. And also net decking is a topic that came up recently so we're gonna hit on that and then finish up with fish mail so let's jump right into it starting with dominaria so we got the full set on thursday how are y'all feeling now that we got the full set i'm just as overwhelmed as when the leaks came out (laughs) and i'm trying to figure why and i figured it out Normally when a set releases, you look at the mythics, you look at the rares, and you pretty much disregard the uncommons and commons for constructed play. Maybe there's a fatal push, maybe there's an opt. But with this set, we have so many legendary uncommons that are viable for commander that it's it's just so many cards. I'm just overwhelmed. I can't I can't wrap my head around everything. It's it's just like when the leaks came out. It's just massive information dump all at once. So the the only way to get through this is, I guess, to start playing with the cards and jamming uncommon <laughs> commanders or something, because there's just so many cards, I can't keep track of them all. Oh, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I'm thinking just the same thing. Like, there are just so many cards. Like, I'm trying to make new standard decks and everything. I'm really excited for the new standard format. I'm going to be playing the week one. And, like, I look at a mythic, look at a rare, like, ooh, I should build a deck around this. Ooh, I should build a deck around this. And there's just too many. Yeah, I think it's really maybe the upside of having the uncommon legends is or yeah the uncommon legends is that since they're legendary it feels like wizards felt like they could maybe push them a little bit more than non-legendary uncommon so we have a lot of just super unique cards i think i mentioned this on social media or stream or something Uh, I think this might be one of the best brewing sets we've had as far as building like fun semi-competitive decks because there's just so many cards that you look at and you're like oh wow I can build a deck is it is it gonna beat the Scarab God is it gonna be Hazorat Agro probably not but I can build like a pretty functional deck that I could go to an F&M and like have success with and do something really cool so I'm super excited to start building around the cards from the set one of the cards that I don't need, I don't get this. I don't, I don't get it. Yargle. What are your takes on Yargle? Like, I have seen more comments on Yargle than any other card in Dominaria. It seems like a, a scornful, egotist joke card to me. Is is the hype deserved? <laughs> what is going on with Yargle? Um. Yeah. I. I. I'm really surprised they they printed this. The the one uh, like little fact about that I think is pretty funny how it's a power nine card that's that's pretty good Um, but I'm pretty scared for Yargle in uh, not in any kind of constructive format like I don't think it's a big deal in commander don't think it's going to be going to I don't think it's going to do anything in standard I'm actually just kind of scared about it for a limited perspective I could see it being way too good with the uh, blue one mana enchantment that gives a creature plus one plus one and flying you suddenly have a 10 power flyer just two turn clock I could just see that being a thing that everybody just tries to draft that and kind of be like Ixalan again, where you just kind of suit up your Yargle and it just being really powerful and kind of ending games too quickly. So I'm kind of scared about that. So are you telling me Cobbled Wings is going to be a top tier <laughs> pick in Limited? <laughs> it could be. It's a 9-3. It's a I mean, people love big power. The question is, how big can you get before it's just terrible? Like, would you play... I don't know, an 11 1 or something. <laughs> like, it, if you play this, they have one blocker, you remove and you hit them. That's just nine damage. And uh, there's all kinds of shenanigans. I know people want to fling this thing. 
Uh, it's a legendary frog. I mean, like, get wrong, move over. We have, we have a new <laughs> frog. It's out. I, I don't know. It, it's just half of it is it's a nine three. The other half is it's just so funny. It's just like a, it, it's just a weird frog, and it's the glutton of Orberg. Okay, like, come on. <laughs> so. I don't know. I guess I kind of like it. It's just I I know I'm gonna have to play it for against the odds, and the deck's gonna be horrible. And uh, but it's I'm amazed. I think there's more Reddit posts on Yargle than probably the rest of Dominaria put together. So people definitely like it. So from a big picture perspective. Heading into Dominaria, like, before we got the leagues and really hit spoiler season, we kind of been talking about how Wizards really needed to nail it with this set. Like, the last 18 months of Standard, pretty rough, a lot of things kind of going wrong. This return to Dominaria was supposed to be, like, the savior of everything. So, now that we have the whole set, we've had a couple of days to kind of take it in. Did Wizards hit the mark? Like, is this meeting the expectations that the community had that were super high for a return to Dominaria? Uh, I think so. E- even if Standard bombs, even if Standard's terrible, I think they they hit the flavor aspect of Dominaria, and there are so many cards for kitchen tables and casuals that this set will be successful regardless of what happens in Standard. So I, I think this is kind of a, a win-win for, for Watsy. Like, everyone will just buy this setup because it looks so fun. It has the callbacks to uh, kind of the old characters and, you know, Yargle, right? All the <laughs> uncommon legendaries, like all the sagas. Like, it's just all this cool stuff that people will play with regardless of whether it's tier one or not. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh not only that, I think there are just plenty of good tier one standard stuff too. So like uh, if you just kind of look at like the prices of the mythics and everything, everything's really high. It looks like it's just a, a real good value set that people want to buy boxes of to open. But then there's also just plenty of cards that like you're saying, like kitchen table and just regular FNM players want to build around. And that's exactly what you want to say. You want people excited to build around lots of different cards, not just uh, let's buy the Scarab God and play that because that's like way better than everything else. So I think it was a home run of a set. Yeah, I think they nailed it too. I think this is one of the best sets they've made in a while, like in several years. And they hit it from the flavor perspective with all the callbacks. They also managed to be nostalgic without kind of running into the time spiral block problem problem where if you weren't like hardcore player in 1995 like everything would go over your head you can still appreciate these cards even if you don't know the history of the characters or like the references just as standalone cards too so i feel like they did a really good job there's a ton of stuff for commander with all the legends so i feel like wizards is really embracing that i'll be curious to see if that carries over like do you think this is the greatest set for Commander ever because of the legendary theme, or do you think Wizards is going to continue focusing, uh, thanks to Brawl, thanks to Commander, on having more legends in set, more stuff that's specifically designed, it seems like, for that kind of format? Like, is this just a, a weird exception because of the legendary flavor, or is this like the start of a trend as far as standard set design, having more of a focus on the Commander format, too? I actually think this is just a continue of that design. Um, it seemed like every set since like, oh man, like Gatecrash or something for years that um, people have been talking about, oh man, this is such a great set for Commander. Like, look at all these Commander cards and, and stuff like that. I think that that's just kind of been the design philosophy just continuing to go in that direction. And it's especially true with all the legendary creatures here and the introduction of Brawl. With the introduction of Brawl, I really think that uh, this will just continue with each set moving forward, making sure that there's plenty of good cards for Brawl, which in turn means plenty of good cards for Commander. And I think that's just going to um, be a, a big driving force in like the sales for Wizards moving forward. In general, we've had like a massive increase in legendaries because of Commander. I think Dominaria is an extreme because the, the theme of this, the set is legendary. You know, we have legendary enchantments, legendary spells and whatnot. Uh, so, you know, next set will probably be toned down a bit, but I still think we're going to get a, a ton of legendaries just because Brawl is a thing. And they, they want to keep supporting that. And uh, Commander players are always asking for, you know, give me the next legendary X creature type. So uh, they, they always try to strive uh, to put that in, uh, except for the werewolf. We don't, we don't count the werewolf as <laughs> them doing anything about that. But, you know, they, they, they try to appease players uh, whenever there's a new tribe or something. They, they try to add legendaries for that. So I think that'll continue happening. 
Yeah, I think they've done a good job with that after learning with, oh, man, Ulrich? Was that the the werewolf? that First we didn't have a werewolf, and then we had a horrible werewolf. And it seems like they've learned from that mistake. So, And it is doubly important now, thanks to Brawl. If they want Brawl to succeed, they have to make sure to have enough legendaries, enough support for the different colors. I was talking to Todd earlier this week, and I was surprised to learn you're pretty excited for Brawl, right? Yeah, I I really am. Um, It's coming live on magic online here like on wednesday i believe and uh yeah i'm gonna be playing it right away and i'm definitely making paper brawl decks um you know i'm placing some orders at seg to make sure i have paper brawl decks for uh seg atlanta to be able to play between rounds with with uh, friends and stuff and yeah no it looks like a, a really fun format something that i'm gonna be really excited about Who, who's your brawl commander so i mean i don't know i i kind of want to go with moldrotha um you know, without without Chaz, we got to have a green mage here. So you know that, that can be me. Like, I, I love Moldrotha, the new Sultai uh, commander. I did play um, in a versus f- series uh, video coming out Friday on YouTube. Um, I did play uh, Zakama, the big dinosaur, and that seemed really sweet. That was that was pretty awesome. So I don't know. I don't know yet. I'm definitely going to just play around with it and see exactly what I want to do. I'm really curious to see how the Planeswalker part works out, like having Planeswalkers legal as your commander, because I think that's one of the most unique aspects of Brawl compared to Commander. Obviously, the card pool is different as well, but that's the one thing that you really can't do in Commander that you can do in Brawl. So have either one of you tried building a Commander uh, or a Brawl deck with a Planeswalker as your commander yet? Yeah, I did with uh, Nissa Steward of Elements. That was the first uh, time I ever played Brawl. I played with uh, Nissa. And I was actually a little underwhelmed by Nissa because I don't think I I didn't make a good enough defensive deck to protect it. Um, I was playing against Ross, who had Yeheni as his commander, and Yeheni has haste. And so, like, if I just tried to like on turn three play Nissa with like nothing out, he could just use Yeheni and attack it. Um, and so that was a little underwhelming. I need to be a little more defensive to protect it. So that's one thing with if you use a Planeswalker, uh, you know, you do have to make sure you can protect it pretty well. Yeah, that's why you play Jace Cutting Castaway. He makes <laughs> he <laughs> just makes a bear that can block. The, the biggest problem with Planeswalkers is they cost a lot, and I don't know how I feel about the mana in Brawl. You don't have the big uh, ramp spells, and you don't have the big ramp mana rocks, so I don't know how feasible it is to actually cast, say, Nicol Bolas, and then actually cast them again a second time after he dies. So yeah. I think that will be an interesting thing that we're, we're going to find out, whether or not it's viable to get kind of the oodles of mana you get in normal commander uh, in Brawl. I mean, it's definitely going to be a lot harder, but I feel like Wizards really designed Dominaria to try to help with, like, Gilded Lotus, and we have some other decent mana rocks, Cultivator's Caravan, and the new Power Stone thing. So it feels like they tried to give enough pieces to make at least this initial run of Brawl feel somewhat commandery with the big mana. It obviously won't be as good. You're not playing Soul Ring on turn one or Mana Vaults or anything like that, but it feels like they did do a good job. I'll be interested to see how much that carries over. Like, sure, you can do it now, but after rotation a year or two from now, can you always make sure? Like, it seems like a lot of pressure on designing. Like, you're trying to design standard to be really good, which should be Wizards' number one priority. But then you also have this, like, competing interest of making sure there's the right pieces to make Brawl work as well. So I'm going to be curious to see how that works over the long term. Yeah, it'll be yeah, that'll definitely be interesting cuz yeah, like you said we do have some some tools right now. There are a decent amount of 3 mana ramp spells, but yeah, you know, will that continue to be forever? Uh, I will say with Zakama cost 9 mana and little spoiler with that match, I did cast Zakama like 4 or 5 times. And so I was casting wow. it for like 17 <laughs> by the end and it was you know yeah, it was crazy. That's actually pretty impressive. Oh. <laughs> Um, so let's see. We're going to move on to modern in a minute. Before we move on to modern stuff, do either one of you final thoughts on Dominaria? We're he- heading to pre-release this weekend, release events the following weekend. So final thoughts, Dominaria, before we move on. Most exciting set in the past couple of years. Yep, completely agree. I will say the I am really excited about Mox Amber, and I know that uh, Seth hasn't been too big of a fan of Mox Amber so far, <laughs> and I think it's actually pretty good. And <sighs> Every set, there's a card that I say is horrible, and then it ends up breaking standard or modern or something, and it, Mox Ember feels like that card from the, from Dominaria. It's a card I, that I know I'm going to say is bad, like Jace Friend's Prodigy. I infamously 
really came down hard on Jay's friend's prodigy and then it ended up being like the best card in standard and it still sees playing modern i feel like mox amber has potential to be that from from dominaria yeah anyway let's talk some modern so we had kind of two gps one of them was team unified in sydney uh team unified is a format i don't really like it's kind of awkward but uh we did have two gps so in sydney bunch of different decks in the team format in hartford we had Oh, man, a very unfair top eight. Ironworks combo, Amulet Titan, Affinities, Birds, Hollow One, Elves, Boggles. So what's the, what's your takeaway from these GP events and where the modern format's at? Oh, man, it seems like, it seems like you just can't interact in modern these days. <laughs> I mentioned this on Twitter, so let me get your thoughts on this. Uh, with the Jace and Bloodbraid unbanning, one of my concerns was not so much that you're going to see 20 Jaces in the top eight or something. It's a four mana card in a fast format, but that it would push people towards playing more unfair decks. Like the one of the ways you beat Jace is to just not care about Jace because you combo off or win faster than Jace uh, actually can impact the game. So do you think? I know Modern has always been an unfair fair format but do you think the unbannings has pushed the format to be even more unfair or is this just how modern always was no it's it's definitely pushed the format this way like that's that's what happened whenever jace and bloodbraid were unbanned um jace is one of the best interaction spells ever printed like it's not it's really hard to play uh like mid-range decks and, and compete with jace it's that's just really hard to do and Bloodbraid also just sped up the format by by speeding up Ponza, speeding up Jund, and stuff like that. So the way to beat those cards is to just go under them and not care about them, and and tune your decks well enough to be able to to do that. So we've seen Ironworks and Hollow One, uh, you know, tuned more than what they were before. You know, people didn't really care about them before, but now people are like, well, we need to make our decks really fast and really explosive to be able to uh, compete in the Jason Bloodbraid world and looks like this has just kind of been the result is people you know playing the turn three decks and and not caring what other people are doing what do you think richard this is what i thought it would look like after <laughs> that bnr where everyone just goes full-on you know, turn three decks and forget about anything turn four plus so i don't know if we finally arrived at that place or this is just an anomaly because i mean prior to this blood brain was all over the place so if this is an adjustment or if this is just a one-time thing, uh, we're about to find out. But I don't really want to play this modern <laughs> as a <laughs> as a pilot of a fair mid-range deck. This does not look appealing to me. <laughs> uh, so the, kind of the, I guess the breakout deck you could say is, I guess, Ironworks combo. I think this is a second GP that Matt Nass has top eighted or maybe even one recently with ironworks so what do you guys think about the return of eggs essentially eggs infamously if you're newish to modern won a pro tour became a very legit deck for a while was miserable for coverage and for people playing against it to the point where you can look up a video on YouTube of Brian Kibler uh, literally writing F6 on a piece of paper and setting it down and just walking away from the game while his opponent comboed off for like 20 minutes. So it ended up getting banned, not necessarily because it was too good, but because it was just too obnoxious. Are we in danger of Ironworks combo turning into that style of deck? Like, we obviously didn't have any bans today. Is this something to keep an eye out for in the future? Could Wizards target it? Is it even good, or is it just Matt Nass is good with it? What's your take on eggs, uh, Richard? No idea. I don't know enough <laughs> about eggs to tell you if it's good enough or not. Uh, it, it's just one of those decks that never dies. It keeps coming up. Uh, you try to ban a piece, and somehow it survives, and eventually Wizards screws up and prints another piece for it, and it comes back, and I, I don't... I don't know. I, I'm going to say part of it is Matt Nass being really good at magic. Part of it is this deck just never goes away. But I certainly do not want to watch Eggs Mirrors all day. So <laughs> it's kind of like Lantern, right? It's a cool deck. It's good. Is it overpowered? I don't know. But I certainly don't want to watch Lantern Mirrors all day. Just like I don't want to watch Eggs in every match. So uh, hopefully the metagame can adjust to this. But I don't really want to sleeve up you know, a million artifacts and sling some eggs around. <laughs> uh, hopefully it, you, you have other options to deal with this. Yeah, um, the metagame will have a chance to adapt. Um, but man, yeah, this kind of this kind of deck is not really 
the most fun to play against because you saw like sometimes <laughs> like on coverage sometimes the opponents would just scoop to Matt and be like yeah you got it you know because he, you know, he would he'd verbally tell them what they were going to do but then other times we you know, when they're playing for top eight or in the top eight and it's game three they're like no go you know make sure you do it and so we all had to sit there for like five to ten minutes and and watch him just move <laughs> cards throughout game zones back and forth basically <laughs> and and it looks like so like in the main deck the way to win is just to loop pirate spell bomb over and over and over again dealing two to the opponent and looping that with mox opal to get enough red mana at least before last time i think matt had emrakul the aeon's torn they just made 15 mana and cast emrakul and then you know the game ended a lot quicker yeah but yeah once you see the emrakul it's pretty safe to scoop so do you are you familiar with this deck at all todd like have you played yeah much with yeah it or I have. It? um not particularly like the the version that Matt showed up with this weekend because you know he, he definitely changed it a decent amount this weekend um, like I was saying the last time that he top 8 he had Emrakul and stuff and this time just Pirate Spellbomb um, so it looks like he's just even more like I don't know like more resilient because he doesn't have like bad cards in his deck because he's playing at least Spellbombs can do stuff and he's got more explosives and more uh, Galvanic Blast to deal with humans because before humans would be a real problem especially Thalia Guardian of Thraben and now there's lots of ways to to kill that. So he's got more interaction in the deck now. Um, but yeah, overall, I think Ironwork... Like, this is a deck that I would be worried about getting a ban at some point if the metagame cannot adjust to it. Um, but for now, it seems like if you just play, like, some surgicals is, like, the best way to kind of fight it because they're really relying on the graveyard and looping, like, spell bombs and mox opals. If you can get those with surgical, it should be fine. Um but yeah, you know, like that's not that wasn't on people's radar going into the weekend. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. I don't think people were necessarily expecting Ironworks combo to be a deck that they had to beat. Let's say you go to an F and M, you are playing your Friday Night Magic. Someone in your playgroup or at your local game store put together Ironworks combo based on this performance. What is the scoop point? Like, you're sitting down, you never played against this deck before. What do you need to see from your opponent before you can be like, all right, they're going to win from here? Is it, I usually like Scrap Trawler plus Mirror Retriever, I think, if you don't have any interaction, is usually been my experience. Is that about the time when yeah, your opponent Yeah, as long as they fizzle? have KCI out also. Yeah, KCI, Scrap Trawler, Mirror Retriever, they're good. And then anything that costs less than Mirror Retriever that like draws a card, you know, any of the chromatic stuff or or uh you know, any things that just draw a card also, then yeah. That that's enough. Okay. Yeah, kind of, because that's something that I think is somewhat important, kind of like Lantern, like, sure, you can play through it and make your opponent do it, but once they get, like, two or three mill rocks and the bridge out or whatever and have your stuff covered, like, eh, your odds are so low, like, in theory, your opponent could mess up or something, but it's pretty much impossible to fizzle, I think, once they get the setup going, so that's probably how I would handle it, that's how I handle it on Magic Online, I don't, <laughs> I don't like to play out the, like, 1% or misclick value for 10 minutes to hope that something goes wrong so <laughs> you're doing it wrong Seth you're at <laughs> FNM you you F6 pull out your phone and punish your opponent for playing this miserable deck and make them <laughs> play solitaire yeah, for put 10 your feet up on the table <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, what about the the rest of the tournament? Any other modern takeaways from this weekend before we uh, move forward? We had a Millet Titan, two Affinities, a Burn, a Hollow One, an Elves, a Boggles. Over in Sydney, which is a little weird because of Team Unified, uh, looks basically the same. We have Blue Moon humans thrown in. No Jund in either of the top eights, and not many. There, I'm trying to see. There's one Grixis Control uh, over in... Australia, so may and one blue moon. So I guess there's a couple of J stacks, but any other takeaways from the weekend um, of modern I guess magic? Kind of reiterating that point that uh, that's kind of like what you expect with the the Jason and Bloodbraid unbanning. Um, with Legacy, whenever Treasure Cruise was printed, people like a lot of decks that were just kind of fringe decks in the format kind of died off, and people were saying, "Oh, whenever Treasure Cruise goes away, that's too good. Whenever that goes away, they'll come back." But people had to. Uh, uh, kind of changed their decks and tune them to a point where uh, that they were just kind of a lot better than the other decks that the other fringe decks that kind of died off. We were scared of Jace doing that to modern of like the all the mid range decks kind of dying, but it, it's kind of turned into it hasn't really been Jace's fault in particular. It's kind of been the decks that have showed up 
like you know most notably like hollow one that's kind of killed all the mid-range decks like hollow one's like you know got tuned to a point now where they have like the big creatures they can put in right away they have the blood gas and the flame wake phoenixes that can keep on coming back for pressure over and over and that's actually just kind of been killing the the mid-range decks that you know that we thought jace would be doing but it's really these other decks that they've been tuned to a point where modern's just a lot better now you know with all these turn three decks basically and so i'm kind of scared that uh this is just what the format's going to be and mid-range and control are just going to kind of die what do you think richard any other modern thoughts well, that did not sound <laughs> very optimistic <laughs> so i'm gonna hope that's not the future but uh, i don't know people have always said that modern's an unfair format and the unfair decks are getting better and i guess the mid-range decks are getting better too but they they just have a bad matchup already so they just cannot compete with that stuff so uh, hopefully it's not as Todd laid out, but kind of looks like it. But regardless, I'll still slink my time and go see if they suck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the good news is there's still a ton of playable decks. Like, the unfair decks are better, but one of the nice things about Modern is there's still a lot of decks, even though it was all unfair decks, there were a lot of different decks that showed up in the top 8s and the top 32s. So there's still, it's not like Standard or anything like that, or where there's just like one deck that's really dominating. Instead, it's like a style of deck that's dominating at the moment, which is the unfair decks for the most point part. And you did mention earlier, Richard, it hasn't been to this extent since Jace and Blood Raid Road Band. We've seen Human Still, we've seen Jund, we've seen some Jace stacks, so probably good to not put too much on this one GP weekend and see what happens moving forward, but I definitely think that the unfair decks have the leg up at the moment if you're choosing right. what style. Yeah, I hope I definitely hope it's not like that, of course. You know, I'm I definitely love playing my mid-range fair decks and everything. So I really hope it's not like that. And <laughs> I you know, I'm not you know, wishing it's like that. And I'm not saying that, hey, we need to go do anything to the, for you know, something has to happen to the format to change it right now. I'm just saying that there's a chance that that's the road we're going down, which is a scary picture. Yeah. And I definitely agree. I was, I said that before they unbanned things when we were talking about the possibility of unbanning the same idea that that could be what would happen. So I definitely agree that that could be a, uh, a concern. And we'll just have to, I think, wait and see some more tournaments. Is this the start of a trend towards the even more domination from the unfair decks? Is it more of an anomaly? We'll have to wait and see. But anyway, let's move on. We had a BNR announcement today. And Richard, why don't you tell us about the changes <laughs> taking place in Magic? This is easy no changes <laughs> yes no changes in any format which were either of you surprised by that i was kind of expecting no changes so i think it's for me it wasn't surprising did you, either of you think there was a chance anything was going to get banned yeah, i would have been surprised if something happened so this I, is I actually pretty much kind of I expected. expected something to happen in legacy actually everybody's kind of saying death ride i don't know if it was going to be death ride or, or something banning unbanning i actually kind of thought something was going to happen with legacy because the blue decks are just kind of everywhere and i i feel like that um wizards may have wanted to shake things up a little bit before the pro tour now of course it's not the next pro tour it's not pro tour dominaria where legacy is going to be played it's the the summer corset pro tour where legacy is going to be played so we could see something change a little bit before that but i thought they might have wanted to just give the format a little bit of time and not just change something right before the Pro Tour. Yeah, because I think the next BNR is July 2nd, which I think is roughly a month before the Pro Tour. And uh, someone on Twitter, I think it was Cube April, pointed out to me that for Legacy in specific, a month isn't that long. If, you, if you're not someone that can get cards from... Uh, you're on a big team and you can get your cards somehow. Like A month isn't that long to get a Legacy deck and test a Legacy deck or if you have to switch your Legacy deck going into a Pro Tour that you're qualified for. So I think that's kind of interesting. The challenges that Legacy presents on the Pro Tour uh, scale. So yeah, I think there... I don't think there's anything that needs to change in Standard. If anything, Standard's in the best place it's been in a while. In Modern I don't think there's even anything too close to the top of the watch list. Ancient Stirrings is a card that I still wouldn't mind to see go. I just don't like 
that green has the best cantrip and how powerful that card is to so many different decks in general, but I don't think anything really needs to be banned at this point. In Legacy, I don't know. It was interesting. Did either of you see that Aaron Forsyth came out and basically more or less said, like, we won't ban brainstorm in legacy we probably should if you look at the numbers and the saturation we probably should but it's so synonymous with the format that we just couldn't do that and he said the same thing about mishra's workshop in vintage which is another card that is kind of similar like it's too good for the format but it's also just too much a part of what the format is to actually ban it so i thought that was pretty interesting to hear them actually say that there are certain cards like that that they feel like they just really can't ban even if it's technically probably yeah, that's, correct to look that's at pretty interesting that. yeah yeah you can't bring you can't ban <laughs> brainstorm why would you play legacy then right? like it's it's just weird it's that that's what that's what makes banning discussions so non-productive in legacy like even if Deathrite shaman is played in every deck so is brainstorm you know why does brainstorm get grandfathered in but Deathrite shaman not right like at what point do you become the pillar of the format and essential to playing versus just being overpowered and because you always have brainstorm which actually follows no logic whatsoever <laughs> like how do you apply logic to any other card right so I, I don't know, but I, I, I think Aaron Forsythe's got it right, though. If you ban Brainstorm, like, I think Legacy players will, will like, in mass like, quit the format and make a new Legacy where Brainstorm is legal <laughs> so they can keep brainstorming and, st- and you know, have 15-page article discussions about Brainstorms and whatnot. It, it is the point of the format, so I can't see them getting rid of that. So let's just give Brainstorm a pass because of reasons. Who knows what those reasons are, but it gets a pass because of reasons. So <laughs> one card that I'd actually really like to see banned from uh, Legacy, actually, even more than Deathrite, the card that I actually want to see banned the most is actually Ponder. So, you know, like, Blue already has enough cantrips um, to be able to be just fine. They have Brainstorm. Ponder would hurt uh, Delver from just being set up easier, you know, just kind of hurt that a little bit. And it's the kind of card that whenever you're just watching coverage it's just really annoying where people are like people maybe like use a fetch land so they have the mana to to cast ponder so then they have to shuffle and then they cast the ponder and they look at the three cards and they think about those cards for a while like what you know you have to think about like all iterations of like how to place the three cards and everything and then they decide well you know what i'm gonna shuffle and then they shuffle away and it's just like a card that takes like five minutes to resolve (laughs) And <laughs> they already have enough good cantrips. I would I would be happy with with Ponder just leaving the format. I like that argument. You can't hit the brainstorm, but exactly. hit like the second brainstorm. Exactly. <laughs> Ponder. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, give me your prediction. We have the actually the trios or whatever they're calling it, Pro Tour. So standard, modern, and legacy coming up in two and a half months, three months. I think it's the end of July after the core set. So anything going to be changed at the next announcement the july 2nd heading into this pro tour that's going to feature basically all the formats in magic or are we just going to get another no changes or i mean i know it's a little early things could change but what are you thinking right now or are you expecting bands next time around in preparation for the pro tour something will happen it's Watsy. They, they, they always <laughs> like to shake things up. We remember Splinter Twin. <laughs> something will happen. Uh, you know, it may, you may or may not have arguments for it, but something will happen just to shake things up and kind of make everyone interested in watching the Pro Tour. If, if that's when something happens to Legacy, I, I really wish it would have happened now if they're like kind of planning on probably doing something because, like how we said, it's not much time a month out with Legacy and there's like all the RPTQs and stuff like that or before that. So like you'll have people, I guess, I guess the RPTQs are not Legacy though. They're triple standard. Never mind. I was going to say you have people like qualify with some Legacy decks and then have to like try to find new Legacy decks, like that kind of thing. But I guess, I guess they're all triple standard. Someone pointed out as a reason for not banning stuff now is apparently, oh man, it's not Eternal Weekend. Apparently there's some really big European legacy event that's coming up before the next BNR announcement. So they were thinking maybe since we don't have that many legacy events that they would want to use that as like a data point or something. But I don't know how much I buy that because they have Magic Online, which has got to be the best source for data. Like there's got to be more legacy games played on Magic Online than there are in the paper world at this point. So, but that is another argument for waiting just to gather more data. But it seems like the main 
main culprits or the cards people keep calling for. Deathrite Shaman, True Name Nemesis is another hot one. I don't really know. It's hard to imagine them like falling off the map in the next two months. Like it, I, I don't know how Deathrite Shaman is suddenly going to be bad or like underplayed in the format. Yeah, no, it's it's just too good. Like it's giving the blue decks mana creatures has just been proved to be just incredibly good especially in a format with wasteland where you can guarantee like getting lands in the graveyard on both sides to always have fuel um yeah so as far as like kind of crazy prediction now i i don't think that these are going to happen and i don't even necessarily think they should happen but if we're just going to have like a crazy prediction for each format i think standard the most likely card of course is the scarab god if if they want to change something up we'll see with Dominaria releasing and and having all these cards that are like, hey, you should be playing legendaries in your deck because legendaries are awesome. And then there's like the Scarab God, which is just the best legendary in the format. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, I think you're right. If there was a card that was going to get banned, that would probably be the one. Although at this point, I tend to think with the next announcement not being till July, August, September, it's only like two months before rotation. So unless something severely out of whack i would assume they'd probably just ride it out till rotation when scarab god and Hazred are gonna leave anyway but we'll see yeah yeah i think they'll ride it out too like i said i don't think they, that would happen but just if they wanted to shake things up yeah all right so one more topic before fish mail and we got to hit this one somewhat quick so we have time for fish mail but this past week net decking has kind of came up i think maybe i'm partly responsible for tweeting about it and kind of having the conversation going about it but it's 2018, we still have this weird net decking as an insult, or like you're a net decker versus you're someone who brews decks, and as someone who likes to build my own decks, I've always thought that that's like really silly, I kind of look at playing other people's decks is a really important part of improving and learning how to like build your own decks i don't think you can be successful at building your own decks unless you have that foundation that you just like learning an instrument or something you don't just sit down and learn guitar by writing your own songs you play other people's songs to like learn what you're doing and then maybe eventually you get to that point so anyway i think it's silly it's 2018 I think that we just need to drop net decking as a term. We just need to get rid of it. People play what they want to play, but I wonder your guys' thoughts. Is this still an issue, for one thing? That was one of the comments I got was, oh, like, d- does this really happen? Is net decking, is this still a thing that people say? And uh, and what do you think? Like, is net decking, is it even a relevant term that we need to still have in the MTG vocabulary in 2018? I was honestly surprised when I saw your thread that net decking was still a term and people still (laughs) slung it around i I thought it had died but apparently not apparently some people don't like it when you build upon the knowledge of others like i I don't know (laughs) i I don't know what to say from this right like like you said when you do anything in life you don't start from scratch right you follow a recipe uh you know you learn math from people that did math like two three (laughs) thousand years ago you don't sit from scratch and start inventing numbers and with magic is the same and the ironic thing is if you are on mtg goldfish you are probably looking at deck lists or reading articles about other decks so you are kind of net decking yourself right <laughs> so i i don't know and does changing one card really change anything like it's not it's just using information available to you and magic is a game that appeals to many interests some people like building decks from scratch that's fine some people like taking an existing deck card for card and learning to play it really well like that's also very fine some people like to tune decks they like to take existing decks and modify it for the metagame like there are many ways to enjoy magic so i don't see why we should have a derogatory term for certain people like can you imagine if brewing was a was a bad word like oh (laughs) you brought your homebrew like that's disgusting like so why why is net deck you know get that stigma i i don't know so I think people should just enjoy the game as they wish and just focus on their own deck and what they're trying to do rather than, you know, judging other people's decks and, and whatnot. Completely agree. Yeah. I mean, just just play what you want to play and 
don't don't look down on other people for playing what they want to play. Like just because that's what makes Magic a great game, in my opinion. Is there's so many ways to play, and there's always we're getting more and more ways. Like Brawl is a thing now, but that's what makes the game great. Is maybe Standard sucks, or you don't like Standard. You can play Commander, you can play Modern, you can play Legacy, you can play some weird, you can play Momir, some weird format that isn't even really a thing that most people enjoy. But that's what makes the game great. And if you like building your own decks, that's awesome. But if you're someone that I several people say to me like I don't have the time like I have full-time jobs and families and doing all this stuff I don't have time to sit down and brew my own decks so I just grab a deck that I think looks cool and go to my FNM and play it and those people like that's perfectly fine too so just don't don't stifle other people's way of playing like that's what makes magic awesome just because it's not the way that you want to play doesn't mean it's the wrong way to play and uh, the same goes for you like uh, do what you want to do and enjoy it and that's what makes magic great in my opinion so speaking of which i want to make a literal net deck i think it's it might be possible in commander find arts with people (laughs) holding nets I think we have enough fishermen and stuff that we might actually be able to do this. Like Merfolk deep diving with nets. This this might be possible. Yeah, and you can play against uh, you can play against uh, cards with homes in them, like houses maybe against homebrews. <laughs> that that got be- barrels, barrels and beer and stuff. Well, we could probably do this. Yeah. Uh, all right. I think that means it's time for fish mail. So, Richard, why don't you uh, take it away? All right. If you have any questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions on air. So, first question, Sebastian Tans, what is the future of Infect? Like, like just kind of in general? Yeah. Is it is it still a deck? Is it? So, like, modern legacy? Just I, I'm going to assume this means modern. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um... It honestly could be, like, if you look at the uh, results of the top eight from this past weekend, Infect, you know, matches up well against a lot of those decks, actually. Um, the less interaction there is in the format. Infect's still a very, very fast deck. They can just play a couple spell pierces to slow people down. Um, yeah, actually, that that result from the... But, you know, maybe Infect's, like, in a place to come back, honestly. I've definitely seen an increase on Magic Online, just compared to, like, a year ago when Probe first got banned, and it pretty much just, like, wasn't a deck. I definitely see people playing it now, running into it in random leagues and stuff, so I feel like it's already made a bit of a resurgence in Modern, and, yeah, like Todd said, makes sense. It's a it's a good way to kill people quickly, and that seems to be what Modern's about. Yeah, Jeskai was, uh, like, the worst matchup you could face and Jeskai was really popular there for a while you know a couple months ago but then after this BNR Jeskai controls just kind of died off and that's that's one reason why Affinity is really well positioned right now and, and Infect beats up on Affinity really bad and and some of these other decks too yeah I, I could see Infect being a good place to play alright that one Okazaki with the switch to one set blocks do you think Wizards could ever get away with reprinting an old set in its entirety for standard <laughs> Uh, example, reprint Onslaught. <laughs> or do you think the fan slash collector backlash and potential problems for modern would be too much? Ah, that's a tough one. I think I would like to see Wizards reprint old sets for limited purposes. I think it might be cool in standard, but I am not sure what the reaction would be. I think that some people would like it, but there would also be some amount of freak out if Wizards just put a old set directly back into standard. But I think reprinting old boxes that are really expensive now so people could play limited, it seems like that's a win-win for Wizards. Like, it's an easy way to reprint and make more money off reprints, which seems to be one of their big focuses now. And it lets people re-experience, like, Rise of Eldrazi is, like, a really good draft format, but it's really hard to spend 200 or 300 or however much it is to buy a box now just because there's not many in existence. So I I would love to have that be an option. So I don't think that will ever happen. Like, that's just never going to happen for standard. Um, I think the biggest complaint you would see from a lot of people is just they just call wizards lazy and not wanting to do their job and just, oh, yeah, we'll just take this four-month period off. We'll just reprint this other set that we already had. The other thing is the sets these days are just simply a lot better than the sets 10 years ago. When you're talking about the entirety of the sets... Like sometimes we'll play um, some pack wars with like old packs, and there are so many bad commons and uncommons from like the sets before that were just like just not fun limited cards that 
these days you don't really have that nearly as much. You know, the sets are really designed a lot better, and and I I just don't think that'll ever happen. So I don't think directly into standard is viable. It's just really weird, but I could see them doing flashback drafts in real life, like just releasing a bunch of Innistrad or something they had stashed out uh, for Halloween and just letting people draft with it. I think people would like that more than they would hate that. I don't know. Some people will be very crabby. You know, they, they've been storing like thousands of boxes of Innistrad and now the, the price is tanked and they'll be mad. But I think, you know, drafting Innistrad for Halloween yeah, would be that's... cool. I think that's just a magic online thing. I don't think that'll ever happen in paper. I think that's just a a magic online thing. That's what magic online's for. Uh, Next question. CH Tomahawk 777. What makes Fetchlands and Shocklands so good in modern? I like to get into the format, but don't feel like spending an exorbitant amount on land. Oh, man. There's a a lot of reasons, but it... (sighs) It allows you to play multiple colors really easily because of how they interact, where one of your fetch lands can theoretically tutor up basically any color of land, up to five colors. Plus, there's other fringe things, like having, if you're playing multicolor, being able to have fetch lands to get basic lands is really key to not just auto-losing to Blood Moon and things like that. But yeah, there's, there's not really a good substitute, I don't think. Yeah, I would say if you want to get into modern and don't want to spend so much on lands, play a one or two color deck. One color decks don't don't play fetch lands and shock lands. Two color decks you can get away with uh, the check lands and the fast lands, and you can you know work around the fact that you don't have all these shocks. Or do what Seth does: play a blood moon <laughs> deck, punish people for their <laughs> fetch lands yep. and shock lands while playing all mountains yourself. <laughs> uh, Benjamin W T H I. With the printing of Damping Sphere, do you think Watsi considers the most powerful decks in certain formats when printing hate cards? Were they out to get Tron and Storm in Modern with Damping Sphere, or was this come some kind of safety valve for Standard? I don't think it was really for Standard, necessarily, because there's not any lands that produce multiple mana in Standard. I, I guess there's the new Cabal land, I suppose. Um... But no, it was definitely for modern. I think it's just kind of like the the safety valve type thing, kind of like a Grafdigger's Cage, where they just wanted to give uh, players with whatever decks um, access to a hate card of of some sort. Um, and so, like that kind of card, just being colorless like that, isn't really designed for anything in particular. But lots of people that are just playing their F and M decks and everything that don't like losing to Tron or Storm, they now just have another tool, you know? So it just kind of gives people an option. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it's more focused on modern as well. And I think Wizards, they listen and they know, they hear the complaints, especially from the pros, about having not enough sideboard cards for a format with so many decks and stuff like that. So I feel like this is an effort to try to, like... Uh, hear and fix some of those concerns by giving you a a sideboard card for two different decks potentially that are really powerful that's colorless and anyone can play they even put it at uncommon which was I assumed it was rare when the leak came out it just seems like based on the history of hate cards that it would be a card that would be at rare so they even put it at uncommon so it's accessible for people that don't have a huge budget so all around I think good job by Wizards with Damping Sphere all right KD Chilean, are you happy or sad about the next standard rotation? Many good cards are leaving, but I really like the upcoming decks we will see rising. I'm pretty much always happy to have rotation. I think for me, I love, I just like brewing decks and having rotation gives you this whole new card pool that you've never built decks in before. So I pretty much always am looking forward to it, even though Panharmonicon, (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to do without Panharmonicon and Standard anymore. But yeah, overall, I'm still looking forward to it. Yeah, completely agree. Like the fresh, fresh formats are always just a lot of fun. Uh, it's like just like new sets are like Christmas morning type thing. New formats are just always lots of fun to, to find new things. And so uh, sometimes that happens from addition, like right now with Dominaria coming in. And sometimes that uh, happens with subtraction with the sets leaving. And I always enjoy it. And sometimes artificially with banned and restricted announcements. <laughs> <laughs> Next question, a lost Leonid. With all the new upcoming uncommon commanders, what are your thoughts on the future of Popper Commander? Hmm. Wait, you can use the uncommon cards in Popper Commander? Yeah, I think that you can use only uncommon for your commanders. Oh, okay. Because there's no common legends. Or not, 
maybe there's some from like legends i don't know but there's not many uh, common legends we we played popper commander once and i've erased it from my memory it was literally <laughs> it the worst was commander so game visible. i've ever played yeah. uh, maybe we should try it again maybe we didn't give no, it a fair shake no, but no, no. <laughs> it was like i want i want to progress the board state and attack you but i simply cannot my <laughs> cards don't do anything and we're just all kind of stuck there until someone just gives up and like rolls over <laughs> maybe maybe it would be better if it was a smaller card pool like standard or something or even modern but the problem we ran into is you get great removal at common but you just your best finishers are so bad they're like gurmag anglers and stuff when everyone has really powerful removal spells so it's just so hard to actually kill someone in pauper commander yeah, I had never even heard of Popper Commander until this this question. Lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> Ken nine eight seven seven nine three three one. Wonder if that's his phone number. I love mono black and red decks, especially aggro slash burn. Got any ultra janky ideas for standard and brawl decks? Oh. Hmm. Any any janky off the radar mono black or red decks you guys are aware of for standard? Or brawl. I, I kind of want to build... I don't know how janky it is, but I kind of want to try to build a mono-black control deck to take advantage of the new Cabal Coffers, which I don't think is very good. But you have a lot of big demons, like Demon Lord Bells in lock, and you have some good reanimation in Liliana, so maybe something like that. Also, Lich's Mastery is sweet, but I don't think you can be mono-black with Lich's Mastery. I think you got to be, like, black-white or something. Yeah, as far as mono-black's concerned, uh, like I said, that the first... Uh, Versus series I made with Ross Merriam, he played a mono black deck with Yeheni that looked really good, um, and it had the the three modules and it had like some of the tutors to get, be able to find whatever module part and had a lot of servos and and stuff like that. It looked pretty good. As far as red black, maybe uh, Angrath could actually be kind of fun in Commander. I think um, I don't know exactly what you're like. Maybe you can have some kind of sacrifice deck and like Act of Treason deck where you just try to steal their things and sacrifice them. Maybe you could build around that. That could be fun. Yeah, it sounds sweet. Yeah. All right, Craig Naughton 5. How would a 20-card sideboard in Modern change thing? Is it more about player skill or uh, getting lucky with deck choice? Or instead of getting lucky with deck choice? Or is it getting lucky with drawing your sideboard cards? <laughs> what, what, what do you think, Todd? Do you, do you think 20 cards sideboard in Modern would be a good thing or a bad no, thing? No, I think that'd probably be a bad thing. That that probably just makes the reactive decks just too good. You know, you can have too many answers. Like, you get just too many answers to everything else. And uh, that probably just swings the table completely from... Because, you know, like right now, like the, you know, we were talking about earlier of like all the, the hyperlinear combo or like the hyperlinear decks just doing really well in the combo decks. But th it's not like the mid-range decks are very far off, you know, like decks like Jeskai, Grixis, Jund, all those decks are really close. If you give them all another five sideboard slots, um, I think we may just have just removal heavy format and just kind of, you know, go the opposite way where it's just too much control and everything like that. I think also, like, sideboard cards can be so devastating. I don't think it solves, like, sure, you can play answers to more things, but then even more games are going to come down to, oh, they drew their rest in peace. Oh, they drew their stony silence. Oh, they drew, like, the, the literal backbreaking sideboard card that no one can beat. And I don't think those games are actually that fun. Like, I think it's kind of a necessary evil of modern. You've got to play those cards so you don't just lose on turn three. But I don't find, like, oh, Dredge versus Blue-White Control, and they play Rest in Peace on, on turn two and win the game. Those aren't really, like, entertaining or fun games. Like, they're, I guess they're necessary, but they're not especially fun. So I feel like if we had more sideboard slots, we'd have more of those non-games post-sideboard where someone just draws their Haymaker sideboard card. Agreed. Uh, Snare Johnson 664 what would a format with zero restrictions whatsoever be like? talking four of each power four of every broken land would this be a good idea or a bad idea <laughs> i think games would end on turn one regularly mm -hmm. like probably more often than not people someone would die on turn one. Oh yeah you have so much mana with <laughs> well, all the moxes and black lotus and everything like that yeah it's just just yeah people dying on turn one all the time i would vote the not good idea it's a meta call, though. Are you really going to put, like, four Lotuses and four of each Mox in your deck when I'm playing with anti-cards? <laughs> <laughs> Are you willing to take that risk of losing and losing Ooh, a Lotus? That's, that's uh, a good point. Uh, 
Uh, but it is hilarious to slap down four lotuses on turn one and generate like 13 mana or something and <laughs> yeah. do something. Yeah, Lotus, 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 Mox, Mox, and Merkel. <laughs> Good game. <laughs> it doesn't even do anything because the Annihilator doesn't... <laughs> That's... The Annihilator doesn't kill any of their permanents. <laughs> I think you just uh, Storm. It would just, like, Storm would be so yeah. absurd. Like, any sort of Storm combo deck would be ridiculous. Yep. All right, uh, David LaFrenzen, when should I buy a booster box of Masters 25? Prices are about 150 now, Iconic Masters are 135 now. Hmm. Um, I don't know if it's going to go down much more. <sighs> it might. I, I think that what we saw with Iconic Masters is pretty much the floor, hitting like 130, sometimes 125 on sale. So I think... At the most, you're going to save another, like, $20, and it might not even happen. So I don't think just buying at one one forty eight is what I'm seeing on eBay right now. Like, if you pick up a box, wait for, like, one of the one of the eBay sales where you get 20% off or whatever, and then pick up box for 145 150 I think that's a pretty fine deal. Yeah. All right, Run Thunder Snow. I saw for SCG Milwaukee, you had Jeff Hoogland's Owling Mine deck at 900th place. <laughs> where did you find his placement, and where can I find mine? I think SCG just assigns like a arbitrarily high place when they're doing, like, say, a deck tech of a deck. So that's not necessarily uh, Jeff's actual placement. I think he placed above 900. I actually think he might have literally yeah. been 900th. <laughs> and it was capped at 900, so... No, <laughs> okay, so, you know, I have, I have a little more information with this. That's the SCG questions. I can answer these. All right, so, you know, because I was there. So SCG Milwaukee was around... It was over 10, uh, 1050 as far as players, over 1,050 players. I think it was like 1,060 or so. Um, I think Jeff actually did finish around 900th. Usually they just put first place, like whenever they just do like the arbitrary number, they just write like first place during day one. Uh... Um, I think he only had one win. The place to find that is if you go to the event uh, tab and on SCG and go to the coverage archive, go back to, um, you know, click on Milwaukee. There is a, uh, there's a standings for round 15. You can just hit the standings and it has everybody there. Um, looks like there was 1,062 people looking it up here. And Jeff Hoogland finished. Where's Hoogland? He's not even on here. Oh, there he is, 923rd. <laughs> with his with his round one win under camera. That was the only win, but that win looked sweet, though. I, I, I think he went, yeah, I think it was like 1-3 yeah. drop or something. <laughs> but that, the owl costume was pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next question. Elo Q, where's the promised dabbing video? How long will it be? Who will it feature? And how deep are the dabs? <laughs> I... Uh, I I'm still working on it. I, I gotta practice my dapping. It's it's just getting more and more momentum, Seth. You gotta get it out of the way before this is the only thing you're known for. Uh, I, I know, I know. All right, Sebastian Tans. What do you think is the top five most skill-intensive magic cards of all time? Okay, well, I do think jace like you know we just kind of know about jace the mind sculpture these days i do think jace is up there because it has the four modes but you know the three you can activate right away and i i definitely see people play jace incorrectly all the time that's that's one that that's got to be up there because brainstorming is usually so good fate's healing one of you know the two is usually good bouncing a creature is usually good like they're all good modes they it's hard to know exactly which one to do that's that's definitely a very skill intensive card for sure that's a good one i was gonna say brainstorm and jace's brainstorm with multiple other options brainstorm might actually still be on there doomsday is like another one that comes out a lot is mm -hmm. being really hard to play correctly um hmm therapy cabal therapy Oh, I always that's... hear that up there. Okay, yeah. Mm. Huh, I don't know what else should be on the list. Um, I guess that's a top four. <laughs> we need we need one more. There's got to be one card we can find. Uh, hmm. Hmm. How about? How about uh, Arcbound Ravager? That's a good one. Oh, uh, it is. A yeah, good that's one. that's a tough one. That you know exactly how much to sacrifice, when to sacrifice, all that kind of stuff window like attack yeah. all in and all yeah. that kind of stuff i'll go with that 
All right, that's, that's our top five most skill-intensive magic cards. <laughs> Get ready for the comments. <laughs> <laughs> How did you forget about this card? This is so much more uh, difficult. I'm sure there's so many old cards that we didn't I'm actually curious, that. though. Yeah, if you list list your most skill-intensive cards, and there are probably a ton we forgot about, but I'm actually curious what, what people come up with. Because outside of like the top couple of Legacy, the, the list starts getting uh, very debatable very quickly. Uh, so that's all our questions uh, for this week. If you have any questions, send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions uh, on air. Awesome. Well, I think that uh, pretty much brings us to the end of episode 158. Any final thoughts on the way out the door today, guys? Uh, can't wait for Dominaria to get online. I'm just waiting to play it on Magic Online. I think that comes this week. I think it's starting before the paper pre-release, actually, on Friday. You can start doing sealed events. So I'm excited for that, too. Dominaria looking super sweet. Uh, Richard, are you pre-releasing this weekend? I plan on doing it, yes. Sweet. How about you, Todd? Pre-release in paper? Uh, Maybe. You know, there's the pre-release at the Star City Game Store. They have Two-Headed Giants, which are pretty fun. I'm trying to get a friend of mine to play Two-Headed Giant with me. If we do that, I think that would be, like, the most likely way I play. That sounds, yeah, that's a good way to do it. Just go with a friend, have a good day, have some fun. Mm -hmm. Anyway, thanks to everyone for listening. Richard, thanks for hanging out. Todd, thanks for joining us as a special guest. So that brings us to the end of episode 168. Thanks again for listening, and yeah, we'll talk to you next week.